Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to our latest Outsource podcast. It is mid-July, July, I don't even know what it is, 16th, 17th, I'm losing track of the dates here. Uh, this is Sid Ziegler with Jim Bazinski. Uh, Jim, how late were you up last night? Watch, I was uh, watching that Michael Sam speech at the ESPYs and decided to <laughs> bang away at a column when I got home. Oh, I was like one thirty when I posted something. I just was checking Twitter, and there was so many, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, so many anti-Michael Sam things. And I normally ignore Twitter stuff like that, but this one just kind of bothered me, so I decided to compile a bunch of them and post something before I went to bed. It just, you know, I know a lot of these people kind of like the attention, but at a certain point you got to call them out for their homophobia and their racism, and it was just... It's interesting how we think uh, of different storylines. Like, I would have just never thought to go on Twitter to see what kind of hate was going on there. But it's it, it's absolutely interesting. And well, excuse me, but I wasn't the, looking for hate. I was just reading. I think I typed just in Michael Salmon. I was just oh, because he was a trending topic. And so, right. in the normal feed of that, there was so many. It was like if it was one or two, and I was like, "Wait a second. <laughs> it was like there were so many that it was like, "Huh, I think I write about this." I just if there was a couple I would have ignored it, but I left out dozens of them. So you just stumbled across. What, so what was the ratio of like positive to negative? It was probably a lot of it was observation. Probably it was more mostly positive, but it was a higher percentage of negative than I would have thought, and it was like. It just struck me that how many people just this bothers them, and I thought, okay, there's still that element out there in society despite all the advances. So it was just noticeable enough to me. That's why I decided to write about it. If it was one or two people, but it was it was a lot. And again, I didn't even. And then when you type in Michael Sam and Fag, I mean, it's like it's even more than that. So at a certain point, I said, okay, I can probably put another hundred in here, but the point is made. Um, but a lot, yeah, probably you, mostly, mostly, oh, it was mostly positive, though. I mean, I'm not trying to indicate it was mostly negative, but it was a higher percentage than maybe I would have thought for something like that. You know, it was well, if like, you want to call in, today, today we'll be talking about Michael Sam's SB speech and Billy Bean's hiring by Major League Baseball. The number is 347-945-7834. I just, on my Twitter feed, I just, I always saw it was positive. And, and even the reaction to stuff that I've tweeted today, and I just hadn't seen a lot of the negative. Even some of the people who, usually when I post stuff, somebody will write back, oh, this shouldn't be a big story, it shouldn't, 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 shouldn't. I didn't even see that. So it was interesting that you saw all this negativity, which obviously you, you put right there on the outsports Yeah, exactly. Page. You can know, look at no outsports. It's, yeah, so... <laughs> Um, so you were there yesterday. Were you actually? Because you had told me you might have not been able to stay for the actual ceremony. Were you at the ceremony, or what? The, I, you were on the red carpet, and so what was that? I about? was on the red carpet, and I was at the ceremony, and then I left, and then I went back and had uh, a friend of mine uh, was having dinner. Evander Holyfield had an event last night, and 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 she got invited, so she, I went with her, and had dinner. At, 
with uh, and, and met Holyfield, which is he, he didn't say much more than uh, yeah, uh. Mm-hmm. and he was not very chatty. And uh, and then I just kind of wandered over back to LA Live and ran into Jason Collins and and his boyfriend and kind of chatted with them for a while and came home. But what but on was, the red carpet did you t- did, uh, did you, I mean we hadn't talked about this yet had you talked to a lot of people were you what was the you know I it, it was interesting uh, it, it, <laughs> so I was there just weren't a lot of great big names I mean Kevin Durant I could have grabbed I just chatted with Meta World Peace for a minute uh, I, when I saw Les Snead walk by I grabbed him and asked him kind of how Michael was doing and of course he gave me. The can dancers, I'm sure he'd give everybody else that Michael's, you know, brought all the energy you need to see from a seventh round pick to make the team and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so it was, but my real takeaway was from that, and you and I talked about it, I think we had dinner the other night, was I just didn't feel the need to talk to people this time. Like, this issue the last couple of years, you and I have felt so, like, every time we get the chance, we need to talk to athletes just to get their thoughts on this on LGBT issues in sports and I just didn't feel that need anymore which is kind of cool. Well, I think I think we also discussed that I'd much rather do it in a one-on-one setting where you have some time to explore it as opposed to this in the past it, we heard so few from this thing that you go to a red carpet and you get grab someone even for 40 seconds it was worth something. Now that doesn't seem, what are they going to say about, they're not going to say anything negative, at least publicly. If they have those beliefs, they are certainly not going to, you know, what, say, well, I wish Michael Sam was, you know, not in the league. So you're not really going to get anything, and you're not going to have much time to actually have a conversation, right? You can't sit down there and, like somebody says, oh, my sister's a lesbian. Well, what a fascinating story, but you're not going to have time to get into that. So it is a change from, in a good way, from used to be, you couldn't get these people to say anything. Now it's kind of like, so many of them made comments via social media themselves when Jason Collins came out and Michael Sam came out and then Michael Sam was drafted that we have a good body of of kind of commentary from a lot of, I think, pretty much every high-level pro athlete that said something. Yeah, well, it, it, it really yeah, it struck me that, it, yeah, two years ago and even last year, you know, it was our headlines would be, Robert Griffin III would support a gay teammate. Rob Gronkowski would support a gay teammate. Kurt Warner hopes that gay people are, okay, are comfortable in sports. Today, that's truly a non-story. But what what isn't a non-story yet, and I don't think will be for a while, is when those athletes actually come out. Talking to straight people about how they feel about gay athletes is just, it's it was a story for two years and it's just gone now. But that the stories about the gay athletes themselves and the transgender athletes, that is not going to go away for a while. Yeah, and we could have, you know, we've had, we, we continue to have more of those stories on our sports. We're still waiting for a lot more big sports stars to come out. Yeah, exactly. So again, the number, if you want to call in, is 347-945-7834. The presentation last night, of the award to Michael with the 15-minute, you know, I think it was, video package, and then he had a five-minute speech. I just, I was moved by it. I could not. Well, you know, I cried in Armageddon for crying out loud, the the the, the Ben Affleck movie. <laughs> so it doesn't take a hell of a lot to get me to cry. 
But there are a lot of people texting me around the country and even, you know, looking at the the TV and talking to people last night, like people were moved by that. People, and I think it was, I don't know, maybe it was the first time that people really saw Michael's story. And they, they, they had certainly read it, but they hadn't seen it. And also they just saw what I think the award meant to him that it clearly was something that meant a lot to him. And I think that was a part of what moved me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see the whole opening because I, I caught it late. I saw his uh, speech. What did they say in the preamble, basically? It was just, it was really go, started with him growing up and him talking about his brothers threatening to kill him and losing his siblings and his and his father abandoning them and how much football meant to him that it was that it was more than a sport it was a lifeline and and then it and then it followed him to Missouri and how he came out to his team and then it really like set the stage for you know then to make this historic announcement and and, and uh, they talked to Jeff Fisher and Les Snead and about what it meant to them to be a part of it. And it was just it was hard, hard to not have a. It was hard to have a dry eye watching that. And, uh, Anthony Nicodema was texting me about it, and he said he never cries at stuff, but he just could not help himself. Well, I did not see that part of it. I saw the speech. I didn't cry at it, but I've always thought his backstory was more interesting than the gay stuff, actually. I mean, his family life was just, I mean, to come from that and to sort of succeed is amazing. I mean, you talk about dysfunctional family. I mean, he's had the whole thing and has so much tragedy. So I've always found kind of, I think you even said that the first time you met him, like, that was more interesting to you, his saga growing up, and actually the gay part seemed like, uh, okay, I can deal with, you know, I've had siblings killed and, you know, a lot of strife and turmoil, being gay, why is that a why? Why is that something that should bother me? You know, it's like, um, so I found I, I so I think in some ways where he's come from, just sort of socially, has just been kind of amazing. The first time I ever sat down with him, I, I had never met him before, or talked to him, and it was at Howard Bragman's house, and Howard brought me in to do a mock interview, and I remember five minutes into asking him questions, and I even said to Howard and the ad- agents afterward. Um, if the New York Times and ESPN don't pick up that the story is actually this kid's childhood, <laughs> then they missed the boat. And they they at least touched upon it. Because it is, I think it, again, it, it sets the stage for this incredible, you know, we love Phoenix stories in, in American culture, rising from the ashes and making something out of yourself when you have nothing. and And that's, Michael, and, and not only has he gone from a rags to quote-unquote riches, you know, from, from nothing to, to a uh, popular NFL player, but he's done so while tackling huge social issues of our time. So it's, it's, it is, I, I think, that the reason that it hit me so much is I think that so, that backstory and really seeing it, seeing him talk about it and seeing him cry about it it was just it was overwhelming to me well and so everything begins for him really the big stuff begins next week with training camp i think it's wednesday or thursday the rams open 
Is it next Wednesday? Well, I wrote in my well, piece. Like next, like is, next week for everybody. Was, it's the beginning of the last chapter. I mean, or the, last, the final act, I should say, of this year. You had the first act was him uh, coming out and going through the combine, the pro day, and the second act was him being drafted and going to OTAs. And, and this award really is the last part of the second act. And now the third act is, how is this movie going to end? Is this movie going to end with Michael struggling to make a team and having to go to another team and making a practice squad? Or is this going to end with him taking the field in week one for the St. Louis Rams? And this is all of this again, it's just been building up to the next six weeks. Yeah, and the sense I've gotten, I know you've gotten, is the Rams, I think, are going to give him every benefit of the doubt because I think they want this to work. They want, they want this to be a thing. But it's still a mystery. The SI Sports Illustrated had a story where their guy basically said, you know, he's on the bubble, which for a seventh rounder is probably pretty typical. But you wonder what's going to happen because we don't know what injuries are going to happen to Michael or to other people on the defensive line because their defensive line is the strength of the team. So um, the question is, can they find a spot for him? And he's talked about having to learn how to do special teams. So that whole football stuff is going to be fascinating to see in the next couple of weeks. His first preseason game is three weeks from tomorrow, um, which he'll certainly be on the – assuming he's healthy, he'll be on the field for that because that's when they play these guys. And we'll start getting our real glimpse of how he stacks up against NFL competition. Well, something that was interesting I didn't know from – that I learned last night from that video that ESPN did was he played – Defense, offense, and special teams in high school. So certainly, high school kickoffs are different from the NFL. But yeah, he he has a he has some experience, even if it is a high school level. But again, it was only four years ago for him. He has some experience playing different sides of the ball. And it is going to be interesting because we'll be seeing him. I mean, you, the public could make its own evaluation as bad of GMs as we are when we see him on the field. You know, and you know there'll be a lot of armchair scouting and quarterbacking after each game. Um, I'll be curious to see how he performs if, if he plays against first teamers, the other team. If he plays against other second stringers, and uh, I know you're going to be the, it's the day before the Cleveland Gay Games open. You're going to be there. I'm curious to see what the reaction is. Um, if there's much of any, people are aware. People have to be aware of it there. And what number is he again? Is he 96? Yeah, 96. 96. At some point in that game, he'll he'll be in the lineup on, uh, I think it's August the 8th. Well, the, that's what the preseason is designed for. It's designed for guys like Michael Sam to get out there and prove what they can do. And My guess is, and this is just my guess, having seen nothing, <laughs> is he's going to be meh at special teams. And my guess is you're going to see something explosive from him when he's out there on the defense. you got to remember, he's going to be generally playing against second and third stringers in that particular first preseason game, and he is still the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He specializes in sacks. Uh, so I, I think that the, I think you'll get, I think we'll be middle of the road or underwhelmed by the, just nothing special from the from the special teams, but that when he gets out there on defense and he's allowed to be in his element, element, I, th- I think I don't know. I, maybe it's just wishful thinking, but I think we'll see something special. 
Well, I'm just glad that he's getting an app. You know, the Rams are giving him a totally a fair shake, and they're aware of this. And, you know, I think he's also going to be judged on his football merits. I mean, they may give him a little bit of a, you know, if it's totally borderline, and I think they'll give him the benefit of the doubt because I do think they have an eye in history. But if he clearly is not performing, I don't think they're going to keep him around just to keep him around. But, again, you know, it, it, and it, we talked about this before, it is so interesting that, some people have said, yes, it will be apparent to everyone whether he should be on the team or not. No, it's generally not with these kinds of guys. Well, it it's might be to them. It, they may have a clue that we don't ever hear, you know, that we'll never have. Because, you know, they may not see something in practice and stuff, but um, I'm just saying but I think if they have, keep him, they're going to keep him because of the football thing, and they're not going to keep him solely because of the gay thing. Right, but people have said that it will be apparent to everyone. Like that, well, that yeah, you know, well, yeah, all again, of us – None of Armchair, us. Armchair, I mean, NFL experts yeah. will be able to just tell. Well, I mean, I, I read enough football stuff to see how most football fans, myself included, a lot, just tend to generalize and really don't know the position well enough to know the techniques and what you're up against. And so, yeah, I think I listen to see what maybe beat writers say who are with the team every day and the Rams themselves say. Uh, I'm just saying that I don't think he's going to be kept because he's the gay guy. They're going to keep him because they think he can play. Because, you know, they got to win. I mean, Rams have been, what, a decade since they last made the playoffs. You don't get forever in the NFL to kind of prove yourself as, as a coach and a general manager. So there's really not a whole lot of room for sentimentality when you get right down to it. Yeah. Well, it was nice to see Jeff Fisher really embrace Michael at, at the ESPYs when he when he got announced and, and left need to give him a little chest bump and it was also cool to see Michael go right over to Jim Brown. And I and I was I want to ask Michael what what conversation had you had with Jim Brown before that that made I mean that was the next person he turned to and Jim Brown was already out of his seat ready to give Michael a hug. So I wonder what conversation those two had before that. Oh that's interesting. because, um, you know, Jim Brown is he's the legend. Still is to guys fifty years later after he retired. Yeah, it takes it takes it to a whole other level. Uh, well, Major League Baseball this week also made some big headlines in our community with another legend, somebody that they were honoring, Glenn Burke, who was openly gay after he retired from Major League Baseball. And uh, and they were honoring him finally as a, as a real pioneer, somebody who co co quote unquote invented the high five. Uh, and and then also Billy Bean, our friend Billy Bean, being uh, hired by Major League Baseball as their ambassador for inclusion. Uh, and some people asked me is is where this puts Major League Baseball on the scale of all the 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 pro sports leagues? Does this make them Suddenly, now the most gay inclusive are they? Are they? Do they? Are they doing the most for LGBT people, or is another league doing more? Or does that not even matter? Man, I I always found it as the the lagging sport. Um, it's the one sport where you have a lot of the players have not gone to college. They tend to be from a lot of small towns and stuff. And not so much that it's more homophobic, it's just maybe just a little more behind the times in a lot of ways. ESPN did a survey on pro sports athletes towards gay marriage, and the only one with a slight minority, and this was maybe 15 months ago, was baseball players. 
hockey, football, basketball, all were percent or above, and I think baseball was like 48%. Um, and I just think on all these sort of this, these issues they asked, social issues, uh, baseball tend to be more conservative. Um, and you have a lot of minor league teams that are located in the middle of nowhere where it's still probably not a lot of open gay people. So, I mean, I think baseball and, – and they also don't have a strong – they have a weird commissioner thing. They don't have the way the ownership structure is with the commissioners. It's not the same kind of dictates that can be issued by, a, you know, Adam Silver, the NBA, or Roger Goodell. So I think for all those reasons, baseball is kind of lagging behind. Um, it's been, what, 15 years since we had well, – Billy came out. We haven't had a single even retired player come out since. Um so, yeah, that's where I kind of see baseball, but I think it was a great move they had to, to have Billy because we've heard a lot of baseball players recently, a lot more of them talk about, uh, you know, their sports ready for it. But um, this is a good institutional move by the game. Well, if you want to talk about Billy's hire by Major League Baseball and where they rank now in all the pro sports leagues, it's 347 the question really remains for me is like, where do they rank now? Like, I mean, does this hiring Billy and a commitment to really reaching out to all the teams, does it really, does this say, okay, well, they're now doing more than others? I mean, no, none of them have really hired publicly. I and mean, we know Wade Davis works with the NFL a little bit. Um, but, you know, does this put them ahead of the others? Or, or again, does it not even matter? I would. I think the the jury's out because I don't know exactly what they're going to do. Um, yeah, I think you're, I think that yeah, the jury's out because we don't know is this going to be a more than a one year thing. What what will Billy actually's role be? Um, if Billy, you know, like what what it, what is the goal of this? If it's simply raising awareness, and I mean, it's a good first step, and I think a lot of it a lot of it could be up to how Billy carves the job out. Um, you know, we're hearing again that we had something with the Blue Jays. Uh, were that they had that Toronto Pride thing where they had all the major league teams involved, and you know, several Blue Jays saying they're you know that they think they'd be more than ready in Toronto to have an openly gay player. So, so it's not like we're hearing anything worse from baseball players. But yeah, I think the jury is out. But I think Billy would be the uh, the good person. I mean, he played the game, and I think that's important for a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. And we've said over and over how important it is to get someone who can really speak the language of the athletes, speak the language of the sport, and and somebody who's LGBT. And that's why, you know, I know that the the, uh, the WNBA has has tried to utilize people like Lasia Clarendon and and others who played basketball. And the NFL has obviously really hitched its wagon to Wade Davis. And 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 the NHL, you know, unfortunately, has never had an openly gay a former or current player, which is still totally insane to me. And but at, at the very least, they've they've worked closely with the Burke family, who are entrenched in hockey. So it's yeah, it's super powerful to me to have not just somebody who is openly gay like Billy be embraced by baseball and, and having him really setting the direction of their efforts. But, but also, I mean, the fact that he is a baseball player and I think the the players of him, and he was around for six years. Most baseball players yeah. aren't around for six years. So that, that, that should drive some respect for him. 
Yeah, well, it's interesting you mentioned NHL. I always thought that was odd that you would. I always thought that was going to be the first sport. And you're right. There isn't even a former player that we can identify publicly as being openly gay. There isn't even a college player. There are a couple yeah, former college players. It just to me, it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm curious. That next time we see let's see Patrick, ask him why that is because. You would think the culture would be, given all the you can play videos these guys are doing, would be fine with it, but something still holds people back. Well, I've asked Patrick back that, and in Patrick's own way, he said, I don't know what the hell else I could possibly do with these videos. It has to be particularly frustrating for him. I mean, he he has really. I mean, the the, the NHL with their not just with their policies, but also their practices. Every single team has done a "You Can Play" video. They've marched in pride parades. The Stanley Cup has been in the pride parade. Yet it's the only <laughs> league. It seems to be of all of them the most homophobic sport at some inherent level. And I, it's. It, but when you poll the players, they say they are the most tolerant of, of of gay people they're the most willing to be welcoming of a gay teammate so it just it makes absolutely no sense i, I <laughs> he's at a loss i know and it frustrates him i remember 1993 is how long ago i've been doing this issue i was on the canadian broadcasting corporation in a story called the last closet and they had disguised voices of two current nhl players and the cbc i mean said they knew their identities and i would trust them talk about their fears and stuff, and those guys have never come out. We had our good friend Eric Anderson, Coach Gumby, said he had, I think, a member, I don't want to name the team because maybe we heard this off the record, but a, a, a player that was current that he was in communication with, and that was about almost 10 years ago. That guy's never come out. So we know the guys have been there, just that for whatever reason, even after retirement, they, they don't uh, publicize it. It is so the whole the whole not wanting to come out after you retire thing continues to baffle me. You and I hear about plenty of people who are totally set for life and and are gay and former professional athletes and for whatever reason they just they just won't do it. And something when Ian Thorpe came out last weekend, something that he said actually hit me as interesting and I thought particularly insightful. He said that he didn't believe that Australians wanted their national sports hero to be gay. And I wondered if that's one of the things that these guys live with. It's not that they don't want to be known as the gay athlete, but they have built such expectations amongst their fans, they don't believe that their fans want them to be gay, and they just continue to want to please their fans, so they just say, screw it, I don't want to mess with my legacy, and so I'm just going to live my life in the closet. It's the only thing I can think of. Well, that's the best, that's an explanation I've heard from some other athletes. It's, a, it's like your identity as an athlete is what, you know, like if you're a member of the, you know, pick a team, the Indianapolis Colts, as a cult, you identify with a certain identity, and then even when you retire, that part of you is still your identity. So even if you're gay, you don't want to kind of mess with the identity, as if you're being fraudulent or something. Um, you know, and even Thorpe, even kind of in a weird way, so that's why he kept lying that he thought it would give him more integrity. That if he just like decided halfway through to say, oh, oh, by the way, I've lied to you, I'm gay, that he kept with the sort of the deceit up. Uh, but what's also weird is a lot of these guys are not superstars, so. 
you have some guy who was a right tackle for the Carolina Panthers, why on earth is it going to be hurting his legacy? Because probably vast majority of even Panther fans don't know who he is. You know, at a certain point, that's the baffling part to me. I can maybe see a superstar feeling my image and whatever, even though I don't agree with it. But a lot of these guys, once they retire, nobody particularly cares about them. Well, it'll be curious to see two years from now what the repercussions of Michael yeah. Sam coming out and Jason Collins and Major League Baseball's hiring of Billy Bean and what all of these things will have meant. I mean, will we look back two years from now and have more openly gay professional? I, I believe we have to. I can't imagine it stops now for the next two years. <laughs> I hope you're right. I keep I keep waiting, and you know we've had well one in 2013 and one in 2014, so. Hopefully, two more Plus years. We also left, had Robbie Rogers, and you had Brittany Griner. So it's we have had some other people step yeah. out as well, which is positive. And we've had a lot more on the college and high school level who are not by any means stars, but their stories are still important and are often inspired by these people. Yep, and we have some elite athletes and coaches coming up. That's a little teaser for you in the next couple of weeks, but stay tuned for that. Uh, for now, I'm Sid Ziegler, Jim Bazinski. We will talk to you next week. 